It's a great opportunity, isn't it, today to be able to gather like this on this 52nd Sunday of the year 2009 to appreciate the multitude of blessings that have come our way in this past year and also, of course, to appreciate in the horizon that stands before us of the greatness that lay ahead of us by the goodness and by the great blessing and providence of the God of heaven. Certainly, as one gives some thought to what lay behind us and also what perhaps lay ahead of us, you might well notice the title of the lesson seems to relate much to those ideas, thinking back and looking forward. I might well ask us to again pay some brief attention to verse 5 of Psalm 40, that text that was read for us a few moments ago. It is a bit touching in many ways to hear the psalmist make these statements. Many, O Lord our God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. I suspect that each of us have some consideration and reflection about the sentiments of that text. Perhaps as you think about your life in this past year, the blessings that have come your way, I think each of us would struggle greatly to come close to naming all of them. In fact, this morning as we think back and also look forward, I would like to ask you to think about some of the changes that may have occurred in many of our families this year. For instance, there's been increased education, pursuit of education and schooling. There have been friendships that have been born and also friendships that have become tarnished and perhaps passed by the wayside. There have been losses and deaths in our families, loved ones who've passed on. There also have been joyous births, additions to our families as we've celebrated and rejoiced in those events. Careers have been changed this year. Perhaps you aren't working at the same place now that you were as the year began. It may well be that many bright and beautiful things have come your way. Perhaps also there have been losses. As I make statements like that, my wish this morning is for each of us to, of course, recognize those things, but to give some thought to our spiritual family, to think about our life here at the Pippin Congregation. Can we not also make statements of celebration about the good things that have happened to us this year by, again, the blessing of God? I've listed there at the bottom. As you think about some of those happenings, it would be my desire today for us to review a few of them. Time would fail us to review all of them, of course. But as we do that, certainly to reflect upon the year 2009, but as well to anticipate the year 2010. Well, those things as a brief introduction to it. What are some of the things for which we can celebrate at the Pippin Church with regard to what has taken place in the year 2009? I have taken the liberty of attempting to list some of them. As we do that, we shall attempt to use some Bible passages and scriptures to affirm in our mind the significance and the importance of these things. We might well begin by noting that by my count, we have met some 211 distinct times in the year 2009 for the purpose of adoring the name of God, praising His matchless and glorious name, encouraging one another in spiritual communion and fellowship. And as one ponders about all of that, in Acts 20, verse number 7, Paul anxiously looked forward to meeting with the brethren in Troas on the third missionary journey. And as he met with them, what a joyous occasion it was. And we still are reminded till this day to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Perhaps as we contemplate that text of Hebrews 10.25, it reminds us those times of gathering are important. 
they are not to be brushed aside with a degree of optional character, to be looked upon as insignificant or trivial. They really do have all the character of that which is instilled within them by the wonderful Word of God. In addition to that, might we well comment that during those times of assembly, we have sung together about 875 songs. That's an interesting thing to consider, isn't it? The lessons that we've sung together, the Bible passages that have been mentioned in these songs, are we not reminded in Colossians 3.16 to let the word of Christ dwell on you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart unto the Lord. That we have attempted to do. And as we have sung those songs, our spirits have been lifted and God has been adored and praised. In addition to that, on about 600 specific distinct occasions, we have prayed collectively. As some gentlemen led us, we together communally prayed to our Heavenly Father, uttering the desires and wishes of our mind, thanking Him for the goodness He has expressed toward us, and beseeching His aid for that which lay ahead of us. 600 times, as many of those have, of course, especially been mindful of the death of the Christ, our Savior, as we have given thanks for the fruit of the vine and the unleavened bread, certainly we can appreciate how good has been the opportunity in each and every one of those prayers. Is it any wonder that we're reminded to pray without ceasing in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse number 17? In addition to those... Can we not make note in terms of our contribution? Perhaps you take note of what the contribution is on each Lord's Day. If you tally that up, we collectively have contributed over $96,000 to the work of the Lord at this congregation in the year 2009. Over $96,000. The good that we can, of course, appreciate that's able to be accomplished by that certainly is far above my wisdom or yours. That is God allowing our elders to decide the best way in which that can be used. And as we discuss in the later part of the lesson some of the ways that that has been used, we each can feel good that we've had a small part to play in the pushing forward of the boundaries of the kingdom of God so that others can have the opportunity to hear the gospel and to respond to it in loving and faithful obedience. In regard to some of those things that take place when we gather on those 211 occasions, we've had the opportunity to hear 110 sermons. Frankly, most of them have been mine, or at least have been an attempt on my part to share some portion or aspect of the Word of God. And yet, as we ponder those opportunities, perhaps you might also note the next one some 52 times on Sunday morning, as well as about 40 times on Wednesday evening, to assemble for a period of specific study with regard to some passage of the Word of God. Times that we can draw nearer to that which the Scriptures declare, and thus lift ourselves to a higher plateau of faith. Those have been significant times, to be sure. They, too, should never be looked upon as trivial, as optional, and as, as insignificant or unworthy of our attention. They are vital, for our knowledge of the contents of the sacred Word of God are, is absolutely significant from an eternal perspective for us to be saved. Thus, in light of all of those occasions, that tallies to roughly 110 hours of Bible instruction. 110 hours. 
When one thinks of it that way, that's a fair amount of time, isn't it? And yet, as that time has been well invested by you and me to study the Word of God, we can only understand, perhaps from the perspective of eternity, how much we've been benefited by that time well spent. Certainly far better than sitting in front of a television or a radio or playing a video game. That time has been a communal time in which God has shared with us the instructions of eternal importance. Perhaps the next idea even pushes that forward as we give thought to what else has taken place. Over 57 hours of specified Bible classroom instruction by teachers who have studied, who have prepared themselves, and have made themselves ready to share the truth of the Word of God. That has been true in the auditorium as well as those classrooms in the back. And for those teachers, we can appreciate their efforts, thank them for their instruction of our children in those ways that are truly of great significance. As the list moves onward, we can think about 13 restorations that have taken place in our assemblies this year. 13 individuals who came forward requesting prayers of forgiveness, requesting that they in fact be welcomed back to a faithful relationship to their Heavenly Father. We certainly can be greatly mindful of what a blessing that has been to be a part of that, to witness that, to pray on their behalf. In Acts 20, Acts 8, verse number 20 and following, Simon, in fact, besought Peter for prayer, and that we were able to see in the Scriptures is lifted high as Peter prayed for Simon's forgiveness and welcomed him into fellowship again. In fact, we can also be thankful for one baptism. There was an individual buried with his Savior in this particular year, 2009. We can again rejoice in the thought of that person whose sins were washed away. That individual who in fact transformed his life by way of God's teaching and became what he had not been before. As one thinks about both the restorations and the baptism, that of course helps us see the urgency of the Lord's teaching in regard to preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Mark 16, verse number 16. Furthermore, as we think about other evangelistic efforts, we at the Pippin Church have sponsored a radio program entitled The Lord's Word, airing each Tuesday. The program airs six days a week. We sponsor the Tuesday program. As one totals up the amount of time, that totals to roughly 13 hours of Bible instruction that were broadcast over the airways of the Upper Cumberland to individuals in this county as well as a good half dozen other counties. You and I don't know the eternal import in terms of the benefit that that has brought. But we know the seed was planted, and we can rest assured that God's Word will not return unto Him void by way of the promise of Isaiah 55, 11. Thus, we can be thankful for our opportunity in that regard. In addition to those matters here in the Upper Cumberland, might we notice some other evangelistic efforts that we have been able to participate in. In fact, I've listed a few. We sponsor Ron Gilbert's work in Africa, not only with regard to the general preaching of the word there, but now two schools of preaching on the continent of Africa, specifically supported and pushed forward by his efforts. We're so thankful for the precious souls who've obeyed the gospel by virtue of the preaching of those men who were tutored and taught and instructed by part of our efforts here in support. 
in regard to Brother Gilbert, Curry Montague's efforts in the country of Hungary, there in Eastern Europe, as he has worked there in an area that is so heavily Catholic, it's difficult to be sure. It's hard, the opposition is great, but yet there is a rather strong and powerful nucleus of the church in that city. And we can be thankful our efforts have been a part of planting the church there and encouraging it to grow. We might well remember Paul's evangelistic efforts to spread the gospel on not one, not two, but three missionary journeys across the Roman Empire as detailed for us in the book of Acts. Not only Brother Montague's efforts, there's the efforts of Robert Oliver in North Carolina. We also notice here in our own country there's a dearth of churches in many areas, places where there are counties where there's not a single body of believers. Robert Oliver is working there in the Clinton, North Carolina area. In his efforts, again, the congregation has begun small. But nonetheless, there have been conversions this year, individuals who've come to know the truth and who've responded to it. For that, again, we can be so thankful God has allowed us to be a partner in His work. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 8 and 9. In addition to them, we might well notice Brother James Jones' efforts in the Restoration Radio Network. He preaches the gospel by way of that radio network to many, many countries around the world. We've been a part in supporting that effort. Furthermore, there's Brother James Watkins on the Gospel Broadcasting Network. We sponsor also on a weekly basis. Perhaps you've been able to witness many of the lessons he's brought this year. As those are streamed over the internet, you in fact can watch them 24 hours a day if you wish. You can in fact turn on Brother Watkins almost any time you wish and find it streaming on that network somewhere. You and I have been a part of supporting any and all of those works. As I list all of them, I do not do so for any of us to be a braggart about it. We in humbleness should appreciate the opportunity that we have been given and to look forward to further opportunities as God shall present them to us. Because in addition to them, might we think about the works of benevolence. Admittedly, many of us probably are not aware of the works of benevolence as it goes on so fully. We may know of the work in India, our works of benevolence to support preachers and widows and orphans there. But there are cases where there are individuals who come to our elders. Perhaps they're lacking in food, lacking in other means of life, and our elders in their wisdom determine whether or not to provide support based on the evidence. That has happened many instances and many occasions. In addition to all of that, we can also think about other things concerning the numbers of our church. We have seen in recent years a growth in our number, and for that we are eternally mindful and grateful. In the year 2007, our attendance averaged 77.3 on Sunday morning. In the year 2008, that number rose to 80.8. This year, at least up until this Sunday, that number has risen again to 83.2. That, my friend, has been, again, God's goodness toward us as individuals have heard the truth and are aware that we as a congregation strive to do only that which the New Testament affirms. You and I are not that which is attractive. It is the Word of God and that for which we stand. As we, of course, appreciate what that number indicates, we might state that there is still much work to be done for our Sunday morning Bible study attendance isn't that good. Neither is our Sunday night worship attendance. And neither is our Wednesday night attendance. 
we still can appreciate the need to see that number rise further as we communally gather and offer the heartfelt praise to the great God of heaven who makes it possible. Those numbers only challenge us to notice that we sponsored a gospel meeting in April of this year. Brother Ben Flat was with us. The attendance was tremendous. The lessons he brought were not only challenging, but in fact were shared directly from the Word of God. All of us were encouraged and lifted upward by that which we heard. In regard to that gospel meeting, we might not remember not many months thereafter that we hosted the third Sunday singing in August. The house was full as we lifted our voices together to God. We sponsored that. And as we did so, we were looking forward to the opportunity to do that which God allowed us to bring forth. As we think about several births that have taken place this year, I mean physical births, some little ones are now with us that were not before. For their presence and for the opportunity that we have to shape and mold them as a congregation, we can look forward. In terms of individuals who've placed their membership with us, Individuals who've chosen to identify with this congregation. So that has happened this year on more than one occasion. We can be thankful for your presence, those of you for whom that identifies. And we as the congregation are happy that you're with us. We hope that we can be an encouragement to you as you have been and shall continue to be for us. You see, as one makes note of those things, we certainly would also be remiss not to mention that some have passed from us as well. There have been those who do not attend here anymore. In some instances, it's not because of any reason otherwise than the fact they have departed from the faith. They could be here, but choose not to be. That saddens their heart and is tragic. Perhaps they shall come to realize the urgency of that decision. Others have passed from this life. They are not with us because they simply are not here anymore. For them, we can continue to think about their families. And of course, that things will continue to, to perhaps be brighter for those people who are suffering those losses. In regard to all of these matters, much has happened at Pippin this year. Perhaps one could argue it does not do justice to try and summarize a year in but a few minutes. But those numbers, I think, do tell a little bit of a story. They tell the story of a congregation that's striving to look upward with an increase in attendance, with a desire to see the work done by that amount of monetary giving, by the character of the number of hours of instruction both here in this pulpit as well as abroad over airwaves or otherwise. We're attempting to use those things God has given us. And may God help us in the coming year to use them just as effectively, if not more so, to in fact help expand the borders of God's lovely and wonderful kingdom. All of that challenges us to wonder, what lay ahead? What does the year 2010 hold for us? What does Pippin want to be in the year 2010? One thing is for sure, we must not rest on the laurels of those accomplishments, whatever they may have been. The Bible nowhere gives us license to recline and to remain there. In fact, God challenged His own people by way of the Christ and by way of those apostles to look forward and upward and onward. For wasn't it true, even Paul affirmed in Philippians 3, forgetting those things that are behind, I press forward to those things that are ahead. That's Philippians 3, verses 12, 13, and 14. You see, even the great apostle Paul, one might think that if anyone were able to say, but God, haven't I done enough? 
am I not in a position to where I can recline and rest and allow others to take up the banner and the mantle and go forward with it? It would seem from as far as the New Testament tells us that up until his last breaths upon earth, Paul still recognized the need to do what he could, raising the banner of the cross of Christ. The very last chapter, as far as we know, that he wrote in 2 Timothy 4, reminds us even then he requested for the books to be brought, the parchments, and he looked forward to the opportunity of sharing its contents with those round about him. As far as what lay ahead for the year 2010, certainly no one of us has a crystal ball. No one of us has been granted by God the opportunity to peer with detailed specificity into the future. However, it also goes without saying that if we do not have a vision for the future, if we do not have a desire of what we wish to be, we will flounder without direction, and we, by the time the year closes, will likely have very little that we can say. We need to have a determined desire to be somewhere. And when we thus work to accomplish it, desiring to move in that direction, we then will have a goal to accomplish. We each desire the thought of having a goal, don't we? Sports teams look forward to it. They all like to raise the championship banner, and that's what they're working for. That's what makes all the hours of practice worthwhile, the pursuit of that goal. Even if the final goal isn't hoisted, still the pursuit of it has been well worth the while. What's our goal for 2010? Do we want to see our greater degree of spirituality in ourselves? Do we want to see works of evangelism more extensive? Do we want to see greater benevolence? Do we desire to see a congregation that has a greater tendency and strength in regard to its love for God, its love for the truth, and its love for one another? If that's what we desire, and any good thing the Bible endorses, we can confidently pursue, and we can do so assuring us that God will aid us to the accomplishment of that goal. For the last part of the lesson this morning, might we at least consider some things that we can list for ourselves, things the Bible endorses, attributes that the Bible encourages, that we can put into our lives, that we can make the Pippin congregation an even brighter light for the world in the year 2010. In the twin passages of 2 Peter 3.18 and Romans 10.17, we read these two things. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And then in the second text, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We can rest assured then that all good things that await for us in 2010 will ultimately come by the application of what's written in this book. Ultimately, it must be that way. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So any good thing that we consider, that we desire, that we long for in the coming year, we shall find it by virtue of a degree of application of what's written in the sacred text of the Word of God. It is thus no wonder that the Bible must form a very central part of our consideration. It must form a very basic part of where our mind rests, where our application, our livelihood is. And thus, in light of those thoughts, that prompts us to consider a few things we mentioned earlier. With our love for the truth and our desire to see the truth expounded and elaborated and considered, we thus could make it a point 
to be present at all of the assemblies. We could desire to make that a very, very high priority. We seemingly find the opportunity to be present at many things in life. Is it as important to us to be here on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night? It should be. It ought to be. May we first of all make a de dedicated determination, I will be here if I can be. We understand that God is very well aware of providential hindrances. If I'm unable to be here due to being in the hospital or otherwise sick, we understand 1 Corinthians 11 tells us that God understands that. But He also knows if I'm making excuses. And if I could be here but choose not to be, so first, might we make determination for 2010, I will be present. May we also push that forward. And notice about the work in the various programs of the church. The works of the church go onward as our hands and our feet engage in them. God doesn't send phantom spirits to carry out His work. It's you and it's me. If His work is proclaimed by way of the gospel, you and I must do it. If the work of benevolence is done, you and I must do it. If edification occurs, that must rest with you and with me. In this congregation, we look forward to the opportunities that God has given us for all of that. And in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 9, Paul, too, was thankful for the opportunities. But might we note, in light of those matters, as we make notice of those works of the church, can I be more involved than I have been? Maybe in the assistance to teach some of the classes, the announcement was made earlier, could I assist and may I help? If I can, may God help me to use those talents in that way. And may the same wish, of course, be true for you. Perhaps there's other works that could be mentioned and thought of besides merely that one. What about the other things that go on using that $96,000? After all, what about the other works that take place to assist the congregation in various ways? Could I assist? May I help? Perhaps we each could ask the elders... Do you have something that I can do? Is there something that, in fact, you need help with? Let me know, would, would you please? Our elders will be happy to help us understand and our deacons alike those things that we can do communally, collectively, to encourage forward the work of the church. As we think about the matters like that one, there at the very bottom of that slide, I've listed some more passages for your consideration with an example of the church in Philippi. As one studies the various congregations listed in the New Testament, and there are many, one can't help but breathe a bit of an air of freshness as one considers the church in Philippi. We know from chapter 4 they had been involved in much benevolence. We know from chapter 1 they had been involved in much evangelism. And yet here was a church, despite all that work, despite the good things of which they were able to say, look at what we've been able to do. Paul still told them in Philippians 4 verse 9, there's more you can do. There's greater things and other things you can give your talent to. You see, they had more that could be accomplished. I feel sure that's true of the Pippin Church as well. With all the things that we've noted about looking back to the 2009, we can do even more in 2010. We, by the time that year closes, if it be the blessing of God, shall be able to say, perhaps most significantly, that the degree of faith and spirituality is higher now than it was before. Because isn't the following maxim a true one? 
If the spirituality and its order is right, the physical things will take care of themselves. If our mindset for the love of the truth and the love of God is on target, the physical constraints and constructs of our life will fall into place. Thus, for our charge for 2010, might it be to place God and His Christ singly, uniquely, and uniformly upon the grand throne of our life and to follow Him perhaps like we've never done before, to allow His Word to permeate our heart, to fill our thinking, and to allow it to guide us to our activities and to our thoughts and in all the things that we do and say. As far as trusting in the Lord, that idea that we just mentioned, I've listed a few passages in regard to the promises that God makes to those who follow that pursuit in life. As we think about what some of those passages assert, it is remarkable the promises that go along with it. You see, God not only urges and demands that we follow Him, He says, if you will, this is what you will experience and this is what your reward will be. Romans 8, 28, we might well begin by noting, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. In 2 Corinthians 4.17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Psalm 37, verse 5, Trust in the Lord, commit thy way unto Him, and He shall bring it to pass. That's a lovely passage, isn't it? Committing our way to Him, it says He shall bring it to pass. To those passages, we can close our lesson this morning with those famous words of our Savior in John 14, 15. In regard to the commandments of God that we have seen this morning that have reminded us about what 2009 held and what 2010 holds in promise, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. You and I then can challenge and charge ourselves using the Bible to love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our mind, soul, and being, and to appreciate that His commandments are not grievous. 1 John 5, verse number 3. Thus, as we look forward to the year 2010, may we understand that it holds many things in promise for those who are the faithful. Perhaps today we can thus ask this question, where do you catalog yourself? More to the point, where does God catalog you? Does He reckon you among the faithful today? If He does, then more power to your goodness and to your livelihood as you continue to live that way. Don't rest on your own abilities. Don't rest upon your own capabilities, but allow God to use you as an instrument to His goodness. If today, though, He does not reckon you amongst those who are His saints and those who are the faithful, don't let this year end like this. Come to your senses like the prodigal son did in Luke, the 15th chapter, when he saw himself in the pig pen of life, if you will, realize spiritually that you are lost and undone. And there is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. To quote Isaiah 57, verse 20. Today, are you a lost and undone person, never having come to Jesus for salvation? Don't let that state of affairs continue. In fact, in a few moments as we stand and sing, why not come to Him? There's a whole host of individuals here as well as a whole multitude of angels excited to rejoice for the decision you, that you will make. If we can help you in obedience today, this is what the Lord demands. Believe Jesus with all your heart to be the Son of God. Repent of your sins. Confess His name verbally in the presence of others. 
that confession being that He is the Son of God, and then be baptized, immersed in water for the forgiveness of sins. If we could help you today do that, it would be a joyous day. If you have done that in times past but need to be rededicated, need to come back to your first love, Revelation 2.5, why not let this morning be the morning? If we could assist in either of those ways, why not let them be known so that you too can be a part of our work in 2010 here at Pippin? If we can help you today, why not let that be known while together we stand and while we sing?